missing them from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I found the louder I talk, the easier it is to talk with this pneumonia. I hope you'd like last night's show with Walter Williams on the Fox News Channel. We're trying to do things a little bit differently, slow things down, one-on-one or two-on-one guests, get into first principles and values and traditions and and try and dig into history and philosophy. And Mr. Producer tells me I wasn't able to see. 98% of the comments on my social sites were positive. 2% were not. We want Mark fiery. We want him to burn the place down. We went, well, you're watching the wrong show. That's not the point of the show. But if you want to try and really dig into stuff, maybe learn a little bit. I learned from it myself from Walter Williams. Have family around and watch it too then I think it is the show for you, 10 p.m. Sunday, the perfect time. And I want to thank you all, all of you who watched, and I hope those of you who didn't will join us. All right, a couple of things. The two big issues remain the two big issues. And that is the domestic spying, the domestic political spying on the Trump campaign by the Obama administration. And all the phony arguments in favor of it, and in defense of what we're learning. As well as the effort to attack the Bill of Rights. Now, I must say this. I'm going to start with Russia, but I just want to say this. We'll, we'll definitely get to the Second Amendment. Mr. President, this isn't about the NRA. You keep saying, don't worry about the NRA. I met with the NRA. Sir, even though I'm a lifetime member of the NRA, I've also been a member of the Republican Party as early as I could vote. I'm not a member of the Republican Party because I want to be a member of the Republican Party. I'm a member of the Republican Party because of what they supposedly stand for, which is less and less. I'm not a member of the NRA because I want to be a member of the NRA. I'm a member of the NRA because I believe in the Second Amendment. This isn't about the NRA. Why are we talking about the NRA? Because the Democrats keep bringing up the NRA? Because the crony capitalists... These phony corporations are not turning on the NRA. Now, we can defend the NRA. I'll certainly do that. But this is about you and me. This is about our liberty. And that's why it's important to talk about first principles. I watched most of that discussion between the president and the governors. Now, maybe I didn't catch all of it. At no time did I hear anybody stand up and talk about the Bill of Rights. At no time did I hear anybody stand up and talk about the reason for the Second Amendment. At no time did I hear anybody stand up and talk about individual liberty. That everybody under 21 years old or between the age of 18 and 21 is not mentally ill, is not irresponsible, is not going to shoot up the place any more than anybody over 65 is going to do it. So here we are, chasing phony issues. Everybody who's mentally ill, whatever that means, is not a killer or a would-be killer. And what do we mean by mentally ill? They don't even define themselves. They're going to steal your liberty, and we don't even know what they're going to steal yet. 
But everybody agrees. Yeah, we got to do something about the mentally ill and uh, people under 21. And then we're told, you don't need these magazines with over 10 bullets. How the hell do they know? What if in your house and people break into your house? Maybe you do need a magazine with 30 bullets. And here we are on defense, constantly defending the Constitution, constantly defending the Bill of Rights against Republicans, against Democrats, against the media. As if you and I are responsible for killing people. When you and I are insisting that local, state, and federal governments protect our children in the classroom. And some, well, I guess I'm starting with the Second Amendment then. I'll get to Russia. The president's very proud. I'm going to get rid of bump stocks. I'm going to do it myself. They're gone. Don't worry about it. They're gone. I think, what? Does he know they can be handmade in 30 minutes in some guy's basement? Does he know that? Well, don't worry. We're going to get rid of that. And we're going to do the age thing. And we're going to really, really vet people. Really, really vet people. What are you going to do? Send the FBI out? They screwed up in the first place. And the more we learn, once again, it's government. They want more government, and yet government is incompetent. How many times does this have to be demonstrated? We need longer lists. We need more data. We need more espionage. We need more this. We need more that. Do you feel safer as a result? Of course you don't. The more we learn about this sheriff in Broward County, the more embarrassing he is. I mean, weren't you shocked to learn that they had a deputy sheriff who was trained to protect the damn school standing outside behind a cement barrier? It's like, what the hell was that? Maybe there were other deputies involved. We don't even know yet. But don't worry. Washington to the rescue. Just like they fixed health care, now they're going to really fix the classrooms. They can't even get the damn lunch menu straight in these schools. I don't know about you folks. I don't know about you. But I'm sick and tired of this. I'm sick and tired. It's the same pattern over and over again. We are bullied into groupthink. We're bullied into a centralized ideology. You're not allowed to have a different opinion. You're shouted down. You're called a murderer. You say you don't like kids. And the answer is always the same. Some damn federal law. Some damn federal law. And notice, it's only certain parts of the Constitution that are hands-off. Other parts of the Constitution, you can do whatever the hell you want with it. In fact, they'll even ignore it. They'll even ignore it. And I had this discussion, part of it, with Walter Williams last night on my Fox show. I asked him about it. Cut 10, go. I think what we fail to realize is that what has happened to our society in terms of morality, and, and keep in mind that today uh, it's more difficult to get a gun or a rifle than it has ever been in our country. That is, if you look in the Sears and Roebuck catalog of 19, I think it's 1908, there are 35 pages 
of, 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 of sales of guns. And what you do with the Sears catalog, you send your money and they send you out a gun. Or, or you can walk in the hardware store and buy a gun. Or for a long time, a birthday present for a 12-year-old or 14-year-old from his father was a 22 rifle. Uh, schools had gun shooting clubs. And so, so you say, well, you might say, well, what, what, what has happened to guns between now, between 1920 and today? What, is, what are guns doing differently? Well, guns aren't doing anything differently. It, you have to ask the question, what has happened to people uh, since the 1920s? And what there's been, there's been a decline in morality. And so this is what you uh, find and, uh, happening all over our country. And to have to say that we want gun control in order to protect our kids in these schools, that's just plain nonsense. And yet it's being pushed. It's, it's almost monopolizing the debate. And then I... I have to shut it off. I see guests who come on who have a different point of view, and they're shut down. I see uh, at least one cable channel, CNN, had this event the other night um, with Marco Rubio and others who were shouted down because they don't go full gun control. The host used to work for one of the handgun control organizations. I was never, never told. You know, whether it's climate change or abortion, gun control, it seems to me we're always debating on the grounds and the terms set by the left. Yep, I'm back live, and that's what we're doing. And when I watched this discussion with the governors, I really was quite appalled. Some of them are quite good, but really quite appalled. We never, there was not a single discussion that I saw, maybe, maybe there was and I missed it, about your constitutional rights. And you know what's interesting? Back at our... Early in, our, in our, our nation's history, when we had our new constitution and then later the Bill of Rights, that's all they talked about. Whether they could do something, whether it conformed with the Constitution. Whether it conformed with the Constitution. Now let me say this to the Democrats. Let me say this to the Republicans. Let me even say this to the President. You want to change the Constitution, we get to play a role in it. We the people. You want to change the Constitution, and you go to the House, and you go to the Senate, and you get your two-thirds votes out of both the House and the Senate for gun control. Then you send that to the states for ratification, either by the legislatures or convention. Well, you need 38 states. Don't tell me I'm going to get rid of this, and I'm going to get rid of that, and we're going after the NRA, and don't worry about the NRA. What are you talking about? Those are our liberties. No responsibility. Has anybody blamed the school district yet for not properly securing those schools? Has anybody? We got school districts all over this country that are still thumbing their nose at the idea of defending the schools. You don't want more arms in the schools. What a bunch of idiots! No. We're the victims of incompetent government. We're the victims of progressivism. We're the victims of cowards who call themselves Republicans. They never make the case for true security. They're always willing to buckle. This one doesn't need this, and this one doesn't need that, and now what's this guy, and this one over here? 
And the idea that government could abuse these lists and government could abuse its power. What the hell do you think this whole FISA debate is about? When I was the lone voice behind this very same microphone, pointing out leaks that apparently came out of the FBI, now we know, about the FISA court, attacked by CNN. You don't have to was a FISA. You don't have to was a FISA. What are you talking about? I'm reading it right here. Domestic surveillance. Yes, these two have something to do with each other. Domestic political surveillance. By the FBI. By the Department of Justice. By the Obama administration. And what we're supposed, more lists, more controls, more surveillance. Now, everybody who's had a mental issue, Mr. President, Republicans in Congress, Democrats in Congress, media, you have an obligation, you have a responsibility to tell us exactly what you mean now. We want specific definitions about what you mean by mentally ill people not being able to defend themselves. Because let me tell you something. The predators can't wait to hear that. Oh. Well, now the mentally ill don't have weapons. All we have to figure out is who are they? Is it a broad brush they're going to paint with? A narrow brush? If somebody was depressed once? If somebody saw a psychiatrist or were divorced? If somebody's bipolar? What are we talking about? Exactly. I want to know. And I will continue to ask the question. We have 18, 19, and 20-year-old American heroes who are in Afghanistan, who are in Iraq, who are all over this world in one hellhole or another. We don't question their ability to hold weapons then. When they put their lives on the line to protect us, to defend us, we don't treat them as a category. Well, 18, 19, 20, they shouldn't have a weapon. And what's this magic cutoff at 21? Aren't there nut jobs at 22? Aren't there evil people at 27? Aren't there people who might kill other people who are 39? What's this magic cutoff? It's a fraud. It's a joke. It's pathetic. None of this is going to work. They just want to solve the issue and get on to the next thing. Giving illegal aliens citizenship. But they don't even have to do that. Because the courts are granting amnesty left and right. I'll be right back. Mark in. get into that tariffs oh sure all of a sudden all the free market capitalists out there are Huey Long and the uh, Franklin Roosevelt protectionists because you see we're all getting ripped off and by the way when it comes to China I think we should very seriously look at our situation with trade with China not for market reasons for national security reasons of course But you see, we're going to drive up the cost of steel, and we're going to drive up the cost of aluminum, because we need more steel factories and aluminum factories in America. And I can hear all of you, many of you, clapping. Yes, it's true, it's true, it's true. Do you know how many tariffs presidents have put on steel to protect the steel industry? That's why the president's secretary of commerce is a, is a billionaire. 
He's played the system very well. Now the fox is guarding the hen house. He's over there at Commerce cutting these deals. When the price of steel goes up, everything you consume that uses steel will go up. Price of aluminum goes up, the price of your automobiles are going to go up. As well as almost everything in your refrigerator that has a plug or a water faucet attached to it. Like a refrigerator. So what it is essentially, a tariff is a tax on you. Do you understand? It's not a tax on importers. It's a tax on you. The price of the products go up. Price of the product go up. So the president has this great tax cut. And he's talking about a 25 cent a gallon tax for infrastructure. Another boondoggle. Then he's talking about these tariffs on steel and aluminum which we've tried in the past and have led to depressions. This is why I'm doing this Sunday show. That's why I had Walter Williams on. This is why I get behind this microphone. Now we talk about the Second Amendment, if it's just some pain-in-the-neck regulation that needs to be altered. No, it doesn't need to be altered. I'll be right back. It's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. Now I read and to some extent I hear a lot of analyses that are done in the Democrat memorandum. But the full picture is never painted. They just won't explain why this is important. What was going on here? I mean, beyond looking at the weeds. And so I want to help with this yet again, as I have been doing for a year now. The Democrat memo comes out. I read it. It's monotonous. I read it, highlighted, went through it. Most of it we already know about. First of all, the Clinton campaign in the DNC role was concealed from the FISA court, as we anticipated. And as the Nunes memo pointed out, that in and of itself should result in lawyers who were involved losing their law licenses. And should, you would think, trigger intense interest by the judges who serve on the FISA court to hold people to account who presented them with materially false requests and applications that omitted such significant information. A little footnote referring to Fusion GPS is not adequate. That's why there wasn't a big footnote referring to the Hillary Clinton campaign or the DNC. Now, Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele is and was unreliable. He was on the Fusion GPS payroll. He was on the payroll of an opposition research organization, a political organization, being funded by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC. So he was tainted from day one. Later on, he leaked to the media... FBI apparently didn't mind his original leaks. He leaked the Yahoo, a reporter there. That leak in that story was used 
also has evidence to take to the FISA court for a warrant, even though it came from Christopher Steele. He just laundered it through a reporter. But then Steele continued to leak, and the FBI got nervous. So they fired him. They dropped him. They dropped him. FBI had no independent knowledge of Steele's so-called informant's credibility. We've talked about this. None. No independent knowledge of them whatsoever. Russia sources, informants, never corroborated. To this day, they haven't been corroborated. So you have a guy who's on the payroll of an opposition research group paid for by Hillary Clinton and the DNC. He works for Fusion GPS. He's a leaker. He eventually lies to the FBI about its leaks. The FBI was relying on him. Then the FBI drops him to cover their own butts. He, he uses Russian sources. He claims informants. Never corroborated. Never corroborated. Now this isn't a filing with the court to get a warrant on an American citizen. I'll get to that in a minute. Now, there are meetings. Meetings in July 2016 that the FBI in its warrant application to the FISA court claims took place. Carter Page was the focus of that information. The problem is, Carter Page said he never had those meetings. Carter Page said he never had those meetings. He said, I didn't have those meetings with those, Clint- those uh, Putin operatives in July 2016. And the FBI couldn't corroborate the information they provided to the court. The FBI had no independent knowledge of whether or not those meetings took place. The FBI had no independent knowledge of the credibility of the informants. The FBI concealed from the court the source money for the opposition research, and that in fact this was opposition research. Then it gets worse. When Comey met one-on-one with Trump at Trump Tower in January with the president-elect, he told the president-elect in so many words, this dossier that's been leaked out there by BuzzFeed and so forth, it's not reliable, it's scandalous. Don't worry about it. Yet they relied on it to get a warrant. They relied on it to get a warrant in October to spy on Carter Page, not because they cared about Carter Page, because they were out to get the Trump team. They already knew about Carter Page. You know how they knew about Carter Page? Because in 2013, they used Carter Page as an informant on the Russians. So this FISA warrant wasn't really intended for Carter Page. It's a way to get through the back door. They get the Trump world. Information being concealed, information being omitted, information being manipulated. 
by James Comey and Loretta Lynch and their operatives in the FBI and the Department of Justice. Is this plain enough English for everybody? And the kicker is Carter Page wasn't even a relevant Trump campaign official. It was a complete subterfuge. Former Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe, we already know this, told the House Intelligence Committee in December 17th, there would have been no FISA warrant without the dossier. To put a fine point on it, Mr. Comey, Ms. Lynch, the FBI and the Department of Justice used opposition research that wasn't even verified. They came in part from the Russians, washed through an ex-British spy, paid for by the Hillary Clinton and DNC campaigns and organizations to spy on the opposition campaign, hoping they could get something on the opposition candidate. And throughout it all, they were leaking to the media, which is how I figured it out. You had to sit still for an hour or two and pull it together. Conspiracy theorist, right-winger. Now, if you don't have a bigger universal idea of what's going on, you stop there. And you don't go any further. But I don't stop there. I am going further. There was a piece on July 24th, Saturday. And the Business Insider, stick with me on this. This I don't believe you've heard. About Susan Rice. You'll remember Lindsey Graham and Charles Grassley on the Senate Judiciary Committees were very upset about what they considered a self-serving memo to the file minutes after the president's, this president, Trump's inauguration. Go by the book. Go by the book. Remember? Obama. Go by the book. And I said to you then, everybody's focusing on the wrong words. It's not go by the book. That's not the focus. It's the fact that Obama was involved. That's the focus. The president knew all this was going on. Or he knew a hell of a lot of it was going on. And I will continue to return to this. Now, here's what was reported Saturday. This is the big link. This is why this is important. You see the FISA issue? is one piece of the puzzle. But you got to look at the whole puzzle. This was an espionage, domestic political espionage campaign run by the Obama administration, the Democrat Party and Hillary Clinton funding piece of it, to push this Russian collusion, Russian financial ties on Trump in order to defeat him. The fact that the Russians were interfering with our election is a fact. And they're always interfering with our election. I don't downplay it. I'm no uh, code pink Republican. I despise Putin. And I have all along. As opposed to the uh, pom-pom boys and girls and the Rockettes. But that's a separate issue. What we're talking about here is interference in the election by the Obama administration. By the FBI and the Department of Justice. 
having nothing to do with the other interference by the Russians. Let me start this. This is the big piece. The attorney representing former National Security Advisor Susan, I hope my voice holds up, Susan Rice, said Friday that Rice memorialized a January 2017 meeting between herself and senior Obama administration and law enforcement officials because they were justifiably concerned, quote-unquote, about the risks that could come with sharing classified intelligence with President-elect Donald Trump's incoming administration. How would Susan Rice know to be concerned to share intelligence information, classified information, with President Donald Trump's incoming administration? If the FBI was not involved in all this. Excuse me. If the White House. Hello. If the White House wasn't involved in all this. She's a national security advisor who reports directly to the President of the United States. Keep, stay with me. Let the backbenchers pick up my dust tomorrow. Rice's attorney, Catherine Rumler, made the assertion in a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee explaining why Rice documented the meeting which took place on January 5, 2017. Rice contemporaneously memorialized the discussion 15 days later on January 20. During the meeting, Rice's memo said, then-President Barack Obama suggested intelligence officials be cautious about sharing information about the Russian investigation with the Trump transition team particularly incoming National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. By that time, multiple senior members of the campaign had been in contact with high-ranking Russians, including, including Flynn, incoming Attorney General Jeff Sessions, and Senior Advisor Jared Kushner. They knew about Flynn talking to the Ambassador of Russia. Nothing that Flynn said that violated any law whatsoever. They knew that Jeff Sessions had talked to the Russian ambassador. To this day, I'm wondering how. How do they know? That meeting on January 5th was called by the President of the United States. Jim Comey was in the meeting. Susan Rice was in the meeting. Among several others. And it was Barack Obama who warned them about being careful in sharing classified intelligence information with the incoming Trump administration. Why would he say that? Why would he say that? Because he knew what the Department of Justice had been doing. He knew what the FBI had been doing. He knew about those FISA applications, at least generally, at least in summary. That's why he would do that. That's why he would do that. Michael Flynn's name is unmasked. That's not an accident. That's a felony. We still haven't gotten to the bottom of that. And so you see, ladies and gentlemen, they used FISA. They used whatever they could. Incidental collection of information on ongoing wiretaps and surveillance of the Russian ambassador. Used whatever they could to monitor. To monitor. The Trump campaign and the Trump transition team. Now. You still want to give up your Bill of Rights? 
Count me out. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Susan Rice's lawyer said the first time Susan Rice knew about this uh, investigation with FICE and all was March 17, when it was confirmed by FBI Director James Comey. That's a lie, no doubt about it. It was in the press. I used it. Head Street, November 7, 2016, mentioned it. The Guardian mentioned it. January 11, 2017. The New York Times mentioned it. January 12, 2017. The BBC mentioned it. January 17, 2017. McClatchy mentioned it. January 18, 2017. The New York Times again, January 19, 2017. This was my original exposition. The Washington Post, February 9, 2017. CNN, February 14, 2017. NBC, February 10, 2017. And on and on. The only person in America who didn't know about it was Susan Rice. Yeah, right. Sure. I think not. Imagine going without food for weeks after disaster. Finally, a FEMA truck rolls through your neighborhood and drops off a care package. What's in it? Mostly junk food, potato chips, chocolate bars, even expired MREs. It's exactly what happened to the people of Puerto Rico after Maria. Avoid that nonsense. Here's what you should do for your family right now. Trust my Patriot Supply to help you build a solid emergency food storage plan. And this time, they've really come through. This week only, this week only, get their two-week emergency food supply for only 67 bucks. That's right, two weeks worth of food for $67. This kit normally sells for twice the price, but not this week. Call 800-294-2325. And as for the Mark Levin two-week food kit special price of $67. Or order at preparewithmark.com. That's preparewithmark.com. No more FEMA. It's time your family was self-reliant. 800-294-2325. Or go to preparewithmark.com. 800-294-2325. Or preparewithmark.com. All right. Got a lot on the table, and I got a lot more to go through. Next couple hours. But we're going to want you to participate, too. Jerry, Lorton, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Professor Levin, I thank you greatly for the opportunity to talk to you. All right. And uh, one, one quick note. A couple months ago when a guy from Lincoln Park died, and you played in an honor the uh, your theme song, the words to it. It's the first time I'd ever heard those words, and I had to pull over to the side of the road and look them up because for many of us veterans that are struggling with PTSD, that song really speaks to us. So I greatly appreciate you playing those, actually wow. playing the lyrics for it. Thank you. And My son Chase originally uh, picked that song, and I liked it. Go ahead. you got one minute. And, and it leads into what I wanted to say. Janet Reno tried to associate uh, veterans that, in the same category as gang members. And a lot of us don't seek out help for PTSD because we believe this mental illness BS that's been going on, and they've been playing this song for years, we believe that it's another way for them to come after us veterans to get our guns. If we get treated for PTSD, all of a sudden we're going to have a mental illness and can't be trusted with guns, and they're going to take them away. And that's why a lot of veterans don't get You're, and Let me ask you, are they going to go through the Veteran Administration uh, data? What, how are they going to get this information? 
Quite seriously. Are doctors going to have to cough it up? Psychiatrists, psychologists? People are going to have to confess that they had some kind of treatment or something or other? How exactly is this going to work? And why aren't we discussing it? Thanks for your service, Jerry, and thanks for your call. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Did you learn anything or... Anything we talked about on my Fox show last night cause you to rethink things or to look things up or have some hope? I know these are dire issues. But, you know, even during the break, Walter Williams and I, he's a great guy, he's a good friend. We were talking about the need to continually make the case for our ideas, for our principles. And that's the goal. Andrew Pollack, I admire this man enormously. He's the father of that beautiful young girl who was murdered. Said she was shot, she was shot nine times on the third floor. I want you to listen to this man. I want you to listen to what he has to say. This grieving father in this unimaginable situation. Chris Wallace, Andrew Pollack, cut six, go. When you were at the White House, at that very raw, emotional moment, you said, look, after 9-11, we fixed the situation. We made it a lot harder for people to get onto planes with guns. Uh, When you hear what Governor Scott just said, when you hear what President Trump is saying, would that fix the problem? It's not going to be fixed because I just heard what you said, what you're focusing on, polarizing this event, the murder of these kids. You're talking about gun control. I just had to listen to you and Governor Scott talk about gun control. Gun control is a big issue. No one in America is going to come together on gun control, Chris. We're here. You didn't say one thing about fixing it. The American people, we could get together on school safety. But when you polarize it, this event, and every other media, we don't care about gun control right now. That's a big issue in the country, and you're not going to get everyone together on it. But we're going to get everyone together on fixing our schools. And, and I just listened to you. So I just listened to you. You didn't talk. You didn't mention one question to Governor Scott about what are we going to do about the security for our children? How are we going to do that? But you're, you're just talking about gun control, which is going to just give you more ratings than every other media event. Our kids are going to school in Kentucky on Monday. How are those kids safe? How about bringing that up to the media? How about bringing that up to Governor Scott? Not about guns. It's not about guns now. Today, it's not about guns. It's about the safety in our schools. And and, you, and that's what you ask Governor Scott about, and i got to listen to that at my house. My kid, My kid's not here because the schools weren't safe. That's the main thing. You go into a courthouse, the judge is safe. The, the stenographer is not worried someone's coming in with a gun because they can't get in with a gun. 
The American people, we just want our schools safe. We don't want to talk about guns right now. And I've been saying it since day one. Do we rely on gun control at our airports? Do we rely on our murder laws at our airports? No, we arm ourselves. With the TSA, with airport security, with town or city police. And then the president today brings this up. Cut to go. Don't worry about the NRA. They're on our side. You guys, half of you are so afraid of the NRA. There's nothing to be afraid of. And you know what? If they're not with you, we have to fight them every once in a while. That's okay. Let's just stop. See, this is so aggravating and frustrating to me. I've said many times to you, the president is not a philosophical conservative, but he does conservative things. And by the way, not all the time. Here, it matters. If you don't have a foundational understanding of the Constitution, if you don't have a foundational understanding of the Second Amendment, then you use the claptrap language of the left. Then worry about the NRA. Don't be afraid of the Mr. President, this is not about the National Rifle Association. This is not about politicians being afraid of the National Rifle Association. This is not about you having lunch with the leaders of the National Rifle Association. This isn't about making a deal over the Second Amendment and the Bill of Rights and the Constitution of the United States. Some things are sacrosanct. To play into the left's agenda, to play into the left's propaganda, when not a single proposal on the so-called gun control side would have any impact whatsoever. Now that we know the facts, the outrageous incompetence of the local police, the outrageous incompetence of the FBI, that reports to you. Why are you engaging like this? With their language. With their arguments. It's not enough to say, I love the NRA. I believe in the Second Amendment as much as they do. But, but what? But what? Now we'll all feel great. We'll have more gun control. Go ahead. They're doing what they think is right. I will tell you, they are doing what they think is right. But sometimes we're going to have to be very tough and we're going to have to fight them. But we need strong background checks. For a long period of time, people resisted that. But now people... I, I don't even understand this. We need strong background checks. This murder, 19-year-old murder in Florida, let's pretend we didn't have any background checks, none whatsoever. You could do what Walter Williams talked about on my show last night, and I played for you an hour ago. You can go into a Sears catalog, which they don't have anymore. Let's just play along and order a gun and get a gun. Let's pretend this 19-year-old did this. Still... The FBI was warned about him in September. Still, the FBI was warned about him on January 5th. Still, there were three dozen contacts with him by local law enforcement. Still, they knew he was a danger. Background check or no background check. And they did nothing. Zero. Nothing. 
Well, Mark, we could have prevented him from getting a background, uh, getting a gun if, you know, he couldn't have a rifle at the age of 21. No. What are you outlawing pistols to? What happens when he turns 21? All of a sudden, everything between his ears is okay? So he waits till he's 21. The lack of rationality in this debate is just unbelievable to me. The person who makes absolutely the most sense to me is Mr. Andrew Pollack, who lost his beautiful little daughter who was slaughtered. He's the voice of reason. Him, Andrew Pollack. And to show you how incapable these politicians are, particularly on the left, of protecting our children, I want you to listen to this Governor Jay Inslee of the state of Washington. Cut five, go. I have listened to the people who would be affected by that. I've listened to the biology teachers, and they don't want to do that at any percentage. I've listened to the first-grade teachers that don't want to be pistol-packing first-grade teachers. I've listened to law enforcement who have said they don't want to have to train teachers as law enforcement agencies, which takes about six months. So let's stop here. Good. Then in your state, the state of Washington, the children won't be protected. Good. They want you as governor, you lousy, good-for-nothing, phony fraud. They want you as governor. Great then you won't have protection in your schools. Then the teachers won't be trained in your schools. And the people of Washington can continue to elect this, this creep over and over and over again. If you people in blue states want to elect liberals, then you can have illegal aliens. You can have massive taxes. You can have unprotected schools. You can have redistribution of wealth. You can undermine your local law enforcement. Do whatever the hell you want. Just count me out. Go ahead. I think this is a circumstance where we need to listen, that educators should educate, and they should not be foisted. Wrong. You don't get it, dummy, do you? You know why those schools are there? You know why we pay enormous property taxes for these buildings, for the administrators and the teachers, for all the equipments in those schools? Not for the teachers. The teachers are employees. Sorry, but they're to do what they're told. It's for the children. But you see, fools like Inslee and the others, they talk about the NRA, have been bought and paid for by the NEA and the AFT, and both of these monopolistic unions have put out the word that they oppose this. You see, Mr. Inslee, I can find a biology teacher who would say, yes, I want to protect my students. I don't want them hiding under a desk when somebody comes here to blow them away. I'm sure I can find a first-year t- grade teacher to do the same thing. And if not, they should be fired. <gasps> Damn right. They're employees. It's part of the job. See, these liberal utopias, ladies and gentlemen, they're hellholes. They're not utopias. They have to steal from other people by taxing them. They have to regulate your rights away. Meanwhile, they're in bed with the politicians. Certain constituent groups are better than other constituent groups. 
certain special interests get special treatment, while other people just pay and pay and pay and pay. Fine. Fine. And once the word goes out that in many of the red states, the schools are protected, but in the blue states, they're not, where do you think most of the killing is going to take place? Oh, you got that right. This governor is not compassionate. He's a hack. This governor is not going to protect the children in that element, his elementary schools in that state. They're going to be exposed. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. See something, say something. They saw something, it said something to the FBI, the local sheriff's department, three dozen times. One way or another, somebody was saying, hey, look at this guy. He's over here. Hey, hey, this guy. Look at this. Look at this guy. This guy over here. Somebody. Look what he just posted. He wants to be a professional school shooter. What do you mean you don't know his name? His name is on there. It's not an alias. Hey. FBI, I'm calling you FBI, he's killing birds, he's killing animals, he's got guns, he's a nut, he's going to, hey, I see something over here. And the local sheriffs, hello, hello, I see something, him, him there, he's threatening his grandma, him, him, the same guy here, look, I see something, say something, I said something, see something. You know what we need here, ladies and gentlemen, is gun control. Yes, we need gun control, don't you know? Why should anybody under 21 years of age have a rifle for crying out loud? We can't trust people under 21 years old with a rifle. We can we can trust them with bazookas, with hand grenades, with tanks, flying F-16s. We can try trust them as sailors, marines, infantrymen, coast guard. We can trust all of them for that, to defend the United States. But here domestically, no, 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 no. We have a fresh idea here. 21 and under, what do they need rifles for? All right, I have a question. Before you go on Google or Bing, have you heard a single politician, the president, Democrats, Republicans, have you had a single news reporter, whatever, cable, whatever, have they told you the age of the killers, the 550 killers in 2016 who used rifles to kill people. Do we know what ages they were? No, we don't even know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 21 and under. Get them, get them, get them, get them. Bump stocks. The president said, we're getting rid of them. We're getting rid of the bump stocks. Good, good, get rid of them. And yet, within minutes, you can fashion a bump stock in your basement. If you have an evil mind, if you have a mind to slaughter people, you don't need permission. Go ahead, get rid of it. Now, what's that going to fix? And I have to say, I'll say it. What kind of hotel is it? 
where some slob is bringing bags and bags and bags of stuff into the room. They've got cameras everywhere. It's Las Vegas. They want to know if you're stealing a $5 chip. They want to know if you're stealing a $5 chip. They got cameras in the bathrooms. They got cameras in the front, cameras in the back, cameras in the hall, cameras in the casino, eyes everywhere. Some guys bringing in long rifles, two dozen of them. Thousands of rounds of ammunition. I don't know what happened. I don't know. What, what happened? We still don't know what happened. And he was 64 years old. How come we're not banning people 64 and older from having rifles? Why? Well, we got to limit the clips. 30 rounds. The guy had like 30 rifles. He wasn't worried about his clips. Mr. Pollock, despite the hell you and your family are suffering, and I can't imagine what it is, I just can't imagine, I want to thank you. You're the most rational person in this entire debate, bar none. You're the most rational man in this entire debate. And when you have governors, senators, congressmen, state reps, state senators... And they're surrogates in the media. We're ideologically opposed to protecting our school grounds. Ideologically opposed. You hear how they talk. And we can have a first grader with a gun. I mean, a first grade teacher with a gun, a biology. Who talks like this? Or their unions. They'll say, no, you're not going to do that. We're not going to allow it. These are entities and organizations that are going to get more children killed. And yet we're supposed to attack the NRA. Let me ask you something. All these companies that are attacking 5 million American citizens, 5 million American citizens who are members of the NRA, they're targeting you. Notice, they'll never say a peep about the members of the National Education Association for trying to obstruct efforts to protect our schools. They'll never say a peep about members of the AFT for trying to obstruct efforts to protect our schools. They'll still get their discounts. Oh, yeah, they'll get their discounts. But not a member of the NRA. I say this to these companies. You can shove your damn discounts. You can shove them where the sun doesn't shine. And I'll tell you something else. All of we red-blooded patriotic Americans, you ought to look at those lists. And don't forget who's on the list. It's called market capitalism, not protectionism. I'll be right back. North Levin, America's Paul Revere. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Look, folks, I call them as I see them. For me, this is about the country. For me, it's about our liberty. For me, it's about our way of life, our lifestyle. I don't believe in creating phony responses to issues that are politically expedient. I don't believe in going with the crowd. I've never gone with the crowd. Not to be provocative, but because the crowd's wrong most of the time. We're being bullied. We're being pushed into positions. And then we're supposed to cheer the politicians who start carrying the banner. 
I hate to tell you this. I hate to tell you this. There's going to be another mass murder. There is. Because evil exists. But there's a way to lessen the probability. There's a way to lessen the carnage. And it's not the NRA that's standing in the way. It's the AFT and the NEA. So why aren't they pariahs? How come the president's not talking about the NEA and the AFT? The president, I've been saying this for a long time too, is talking about protecting the kids where the kids are. They're not in Washington. They're in the schools, in the classrooms. Protect them, damn it. But the NEA and the AFT are organizing their millions and millions of members against it. They're the ones who stand in the way of real solutions. Why aren't the discounts of their members being denied? Why aren't they being called on the carpet by Republicans and the president? Why aren't conservatives who go on the media call them out? Because we're stupid, that's why. We're impotent. Do you wish those sagging, droopy eyelids would just disappear? Are these bags and puffiness getting a little worse every day? Now, this is the perfect time to take advantage of the crazy spring clearance sale going now at Chaminade. Call or click right now. You can get the brand new Genesel eyelid lift absolutely free. The new Genesel eyelid lift contains two cutting-edge natural peptides in a base of jajaba. You ever hear of that? It's good stuff. It's oil, green tea, vitamin E, all kinds of natural organic ingredients to achieve amazing lifting effects. And right now, this breakthrough eyelid treatment is yours absolutely free when you order Genesel for bags and puffiness. And remember, it works for men and women. Plus, you also get the Genesel immediate effects results in 12 hours. Here's what you do. Go to Genesel.com or call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. Order right now. Get the Genesel Collagen Builder and Deep Firming Serum, two bestsellers free. Express shipping is also free. Five luxury gifts, all yours for the price of one. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's 800-SKIN-604. All right. Mental health. People who have mental health issues should not be able to get what? Now, this is a big issue. Everybody appears to agree with this. If you are a crazed maniac, got it? But what do they mean? This phrase, mental health. I have no idea what they mean. They have no idea what they mean. They don't tell us. All they do is, hey, look, we're really going to, really, really going to have background check. You got a mental health issue? You know, you should be denied. Well, what does that mean? President today, cut three, go. Second, we must confront the issue of mental health. And, and here is the best example of mental health. This kid had 39 red flags. They should have known. They did know. They didn't do anything about it. That was really a bad time, I have to tell you. Nobody bigger for law enforcement than I am. But between the people that didn't go into that school and protect those lives and the fact that this should have been solved long before it happened, pretty sad. So we have to confront the issue, and we have to discuss mental health, and we have to do something about it. You know, in the old days, we had mental institutions. You had a lot of them. And you could nab somebody like this, because, you know, they did. They knew he was, something was off. You had to know that. 
People okay, will call I, I, I'm sorry. Can we get a little bit more substance on what we're talking about? I don't have a problem with real mental institutions because the leftist judges, federal judges in the 1970s, closed down a lot of these institutions. But, folks, before we get behind denying weapons to people with mental health issues, don't we need to know what we're talking about? I have no idea what they're talking about. None whatsoever. This guy, I know what they're talking about. But they're not passing a law on this guy. They're passing a generic law. I want to know. The same damn government that can't keep the terrorist watch list straight. We're going to have another list. Now, where is this list going to come from? Does there have to be some kind of adjudication? With what, a federal judge, an administrative law judge, a state judge? What? And if somebody believes they're wrongly accused of a mental health issue or a particular mental health issue, where do they go to make their case? They have to hire a lawyer? I don't know. I have no idea what they're talking about. None whatsoever. Don't point to this guy as an issue of mental health. The whole damn neighborhood knew about him. The whole community knew about him. The FBI knew about him. The sheriff's office knew about him. And I'm quite serious. I don't know what this means. Do you know what this means? Nobody knows what this means. If you know in advance that somebody is dangerous and going to kill somebody, well, I get that. That's that category over there. But what other categories? Will the categories grow? Will the bureaucracy define it? Which bureaucracy? HHS? DHS? I don't know. CDC? Who's in charge? Will they have access to your doctor's records? I don't know. You get the point? Oh, we have easy answers. No, we don't. I don't. Very, very troubling. Let's keep moving. It's a lot to tackle today because a lot of things have been going on, a lot of things have said, and a lot of you are going to be upset with me. That's the way it goes. Again, I call them as I see them. I'm not a protectionist, and I never will be a protectionist. I do not believe in massively increasing prices on the average American. On blue-collar America, white-collar America, middle-class America, low-middle-class America, tariffs. You know what happens when you put tariffs in place? You not only drive up the cost of goods to people who are trying to meet their budget requirements, you also put people out of work. You see, you see the benefits in the so-called preferred industries, the steel industry, the aluminum industry, whatever industry the president has decided needs protection. But you don't see what happens down the economic stream when prices go up. You might say, well, then people will buy less foreign steel to buy American steel. No, they may not buy either. They may decide, I'm not going to expand. I'll pocket the money. Or I'll go into a different business. Or whatever. The president and his advisors, especially that jerk over there at the Commerce Department who's made billions of dollars off tariffs, they're not uh, 
They're not economic kingmakers any more than anybody else is on the left. They don't know what's going to happen downstream. They don't know the consequences. We have millions and millions of people in this country who are living paycheck to paycheck. They may not be represented by a favored union. They may not be in a favored industry. I want you to Google the steel industry on your own. Do your own research. Every single time. They can't compete. They demand a tariff. And one of the reasons they can't compete is because of their inefficiencies. You see, when you protect an industry, they become inefficient. When we used to protect our car industries, they all looked like a bunch of boxes. They didn't have quality control. When we took the protectionist lift off the car industry, they had to compete with the Germans and Japanese and so forth and so on. And they did. And they beat them for the most part. But when you have wages, quite frankly, that are way outside what the market requires or, or, or demands, and you have inefficiencies because you don't have to invest in R&D and other capital expenses because you're protected. You put other businesses out of jobs, out of work. You put other people out of work. It's called socialism through the back door. Not owning the means of production, but it's welfare on the socialist industrial level. You're redistributing wealth. You're taking money out of the hands of hardworking Americans who are not in a preferred industry, who may not be represented by a preferred union. You're taking money out of their hands, and you're giving them to someone else. Now, do I think we should allow the Chinese to dump steel in America, dump, quote-unquote, from a market position? I don't even care. But I say no from a national security position. Because China's on the move, and in 20 years we're going to turn around, and they're going to be the world's number one superpower. So from a national security perspective, I get that piece. But that's different than being a protectionist. We've already imposed, and I say this over and over again, again, check it out, over 12,000 tariffs in this country on everything from nuts and mushrooms and sugar you wouldn't even believe it. Or moccasins. They all run up to the public trough, slopping in the public trough, asking their congressman or senator to slip something in a bill, and they always do. And they always do. Those 12,000 tariffs are costing you a fortune. You don't even know what they are. It's a blind tax. The president today was talking about a VAT tax, a value-added tax. He says, look, these other countries put this in place. Dries up the cost of our exports. Maybe we should put it in place. You want a VAT tax, folks? Every socialist industrial country has a VAT tax. We don't. It's called a value-added tax. You want a VAT tax? Just so we can have a level playing field? A level playing field in socialism is everybody's dirt poor. Well, what do you think a level playing field is when it comes to tariffs? Oh, I know. I know. I'm swimming against the tide. I do it all the time. So be it. I don't much care. I have to live with myself. You know, I've told my family, not often because it gets them upset, but I've told my family, you know, in the end, all of us, we got to do and say what we think is right. When you're on your deathbed, don't you want to be able to say to yourself, you know what? 
you know, you live life, you make compromises, but on the big things, on the big things, I'm proud of what I did and I'm proud of what I said. I stood by my faith, my beliefs, my values, and my principles. That's what it's all about, that and family. I wasn't for steel tariffs. When the AFL-CIO was pushing for them, when George McGovern was running for president, and I'm not for him today. I'm not for having government have, in effect, a relationship with certain industries in which these industries rely on welfare, redistribution of wealth. That's what tariffs are. From all of you to somebody else. And I have to ask, why are you limiting it to two or three companies? Or two or three industries, rather. Why limit it to so few industries? Now, there are times when a president needs to make a point. That's fine. But our president embraces this as a matter of ideology. He's not making a point. And he's put a man over there at the Department of Commerce who's made billions from protectionism and tariffs. Ask yourself, how does a guy make billions of dollars from industries that are said to be dying? I don't know. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Today, gun control, tariffs, and amnesty. I'd say we're having a bad day today, Mr. President. Just my opinion. You know, I did the math. I bought my family $500 worth of organic groceries in one month, paid only $200 for them. It's true. Here's my secret weapon, thrivemarket.com the largest online store in the country selling exclusively non-GMO organic groceries at guaranteed savings up to 50% off retail prices. Instead of paying $16 for your favorite almond butter at the store, pay only $11 on Thrive Market. Instead of $25 for extra virgin olive oil, pay only $15 on Thrive Market. Thrive Market has all the organic brands you love and many you can't find in stores, too plus non-toxic home goods, cleaning supplies, all natural bath and beauty products. Order ship within two days, and they're delivered right to your door. Folks, this is a great service with great products. Get started today. Receive 25% off your first purchase at thrivemarket.com slash mark. That's thrivemarket.com slash mark. Price is already low, and now there's an extra 25% off your first order at thrivemarket.com slash mark. You know, I talk to these folks. They're really earnest. They're really focused on the family. And they really want to bring you the best food, the healthiest food they can at really low, great prices. Check them out. Try them once. That's thrivemarket.com slash mark. An extra 25% off your first order. Thrivemarket.com slash Mark, all right. Let's jump in, shall we? Yes, Chad, Panama City Beach, Florida, the great W-Y-O-O. Go. 
Yes, Mark, thank you for taking my call. Um, yes, sir. You know, I just, I just want to thank you um, for being the first person in the media or in politics to ask, um, you know, our politicians for some clarification on this, um, you know, gun control for people with mental illnesses. Um, you know, I'm an airborne, uh, I was an airborne machine gunner in the Army, and I messed up my spine pretty bad. And I have um, some pretty bad depression from that just because I'm not able to do, you know, all the stuff that um, I was mm-hmm. able to do before. Um, and it's, I mean, I've been getting all this. Well, let's anxiety. ask the question, Chad. Let's ask the president. Let's ask the media. Let's ask the Republicans and the Democrats. Is Chad included in your list of no guns? Exactly. That's exactly what I want to know. Because, you know, I watch Fox News a lot, and I listen to you. And I have not seen, you know, I'm a big supporter of President Trump. You know, he's the first president I ever voted for. I'm 28 now. But I have not heard anybody, um, you know, give any sort of clarification on this at all. It's just we got to make sure people with mental illness do not have their Second Amendment and get firearms, pretty much, is what it is. And I'm left here like, you know, what does that mean? Um, so now you're going to try to disable me even more? Um, I, I, we, we need to know a hell of a lot more. And yet uh, you can see where this juggernaut is going. And listen, I've told people before, Chad, and I'll say it again. If I'm the last one standing, I'm the last one standing. But you got to stand and you got to fight. Chad, God bless you, my friend. I hope you're feeling better. And thank you for your service, too. Much appreciated. All right, folks, I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, a liberal site called Raw Story, it's one of these hate left-wing sites. They think they're going to get between you and me, you see. They said, last night's show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, 10 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Boring. Mark's fans call for O'Reilly to come back. So they picked nine Twitter posts. Right, Mr. Producer? Nine. There were hundreds, hundreds, thousands of posts, I think, on the various sites. And I didn't read most of them, and Mr. Producer said actually about 98% of them were strongly positive. Well, of course, I'm not taking a survey or a poll. I just want you to like it. But this is what I do. So the shows that I'm doing, our inaugural show last night, are more along the lines of the books that I write. I have one hour a week. I can't get into Breaking news, one hour a week, Sundays at 10 p.m. Nor do I want to. I don't want to spend one hour a week with 15 guests. What's the point of that? I'm not interested in copying any other show on Fox or any other show on TV, period. This is our show. You Levinites out there. This is for all of you. 
It's also for people who may tune in and haven't heard certain arguments about personal responsibility, about faith, about government, about the Constitution, about our history. And so I figure (laughs) one hour out of an entire week, I think it's tolerable. And so, yes, it's a different show. And I'm so thrilled to have had Walter Williams on last night. I want you to hear a little bit of what he, what he had to say about our fellow Americans and personal liberty. And I ask him, don't you think part of the problem here is conservatives, Republicans, they don't even know how to communicate to their fellow citizens. Meanwhile, the leftists, they're all about emotion, repetition, and hot buttons. Cut 19, go. Do you think part of the problem here is branding, marketing, the lack of articulate conservatives among many of the political leaders in the Republican Party or on the right? I mean, I rarely hear them talk about first principles individualism, liberty, you know, we talk about millennials, how so many of them are liberal, but they're also, in many respects, anti-authority. Mm-hmm. And we don't explain our ideas and our philosophies. When I hear Republican leaders in Congress talk, they're talking like, you know, they're GS-13s at the Department of Education or something. Or other. The left is out there pushing their ideology, which I'd, I'd like your opinion on this, I think is dressed up as populism, but in the end it has nothing to do with it, it's all about centralization and iron-fisted control. But so-called conservatives and Republicans, they don't even counter this stuff. Am I, am I right about that? I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that the real job that we have that confronts us is to somehow be able to sell our fellow Americans on the moral superiority of personal liberty. We have to convince our fellow Americans on the moral superiority of personal liberty and its main ingredient, which is limited government. You know, the the average American, uh, he hides the kind of uh, tyranny from himself. You know, for example, let's say that there's an elderly lady down the street. She, She can't mow her lawn. She doesn't have enough money to pay somebody to mow her lawn. And you ask the average American, would you support the government forcing someone to go down and mow a lawn each week. He said, no, we wouldn't do that. Or you say, well, would you support somebody having to go down at the end of each week and pull money out of his wallet to give her money? They say no. But you, you, you ask, well, what about if we all put our money in the government pot? And the government sends uh, uh, money out to this lady. Oh, they say, well, that's different. That's, that's okay. But all these, all these three examples I just gave involve the forcible use of one person to serve the purpose of somebody else. But that's what the American people want. Too many of us want that, the forcible use of one person to serve the purpose of somebody else. And that's, by the way, a very good working definition of slavery. Mm-hmm. Does that sound interesting to you, Mr. Producer? Fascinating. One more bite, Walter Williams, on my show last night, Life, Liberty, and Levin, 10 p.m. Go ahead. And what's interesting about that, too, is it's defined as compassionate. So, in other words, using government 
the law, the power of government, to take something from someone and give it to somebody else, or to take something from a generation that's not yet born. You know, we have over $200 trillion in unfunded liabilities, $21 trillion in fiscal operating debt. There's going to be a trillion-dollar deficit this year. They just voted one of the most massive budgets in American history. The Republicans did. The president signed it. Three generations from now, two generations from now, those kids are going to have to deal with this. So even when it comes to their own children and grandchildren, do you think parents who love their children and grandchildren, do you think they delude themselves into thinking, well, that's them, that's, a, that's this ambiguous future generation, my kids will be fine? What's the mindset there? Well, well I, th I think here's the problem is that the big collapse will not come until 2030 or 2040. And any congressman who will take steps now to prevent the big collapse, he's going to be thrown out of office. That is, the, the major big problem in our, in our spending is Social Security and Medicare. Any congressman talking about doing something about Social Security, doing something about Medicare, he's going to be run out of office. And by, by the people who are over 65 who vote in large numbers. So we have to ask ourselves the question, is it reasonable for us to expect a politician to do what he considers to be political suicide? I say no. It's unreasonable for us to expect that of a politician. So uh, politicians are running a congressman. His time horizons is two years. Not 15 or 20 years. It's two years. And so that's what we have to live with. So that is a circular problem then. Because these people will continue to do what they're doing, these politicians. In fact, they grab more and more power from the private sector, from the individual. Mm -hmm. And yet they don't have the ability, either because of the public or because of their own lack of, mm -hmm. of will, to do what needs to be done 20, 30, 40 years out. That's right. So what happens to a country? Well, if people will say, well, what can we do? And I ask, well, are the American people, as human beings, are we any different from the Spanish, the Portuguese, the French, the British, great empires of the past who went down the tubes for doing roughly what we're doing, bread and circuses? And I say, well, maybe we're not that different, and maybe uh, the, uh, we, we're going to share the same future as those other great empires of the past. Keep in mind, we have betrayed the founding fathers of our country. I mean, if you look at Federalist Paper 45, when James Madison was writing Federalist Paper 45, he was trying to convince the citizens of New York to ratify the Constitution. And they were afraid to ratify the Constitution. And he said, the powers that we've delegated to the federal government are few and well-defined and restricted mostly to external affairs. The powers left with the people in the state are indefinite and numerous. If you turn that upside down, we have what we have now. The powers of the federal government are indefinite and numerous. He's brilliant. We had a wonderful time. I hope those of you who watched it did as well. <clears throat> um, I don't do Morton Downey Jr. That's not what we're doing with our TV program. It's going to be a substantive, I think, compelling, intriguing show with our weekly guests. Just once a week, that's all we need. One hour, Sunday night, like the old Sunday nights. I'll be right back.
Jim, Seattle, Washington, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, Mark, what a yes, fabulous show last night I watched on television. Thank you. you. And your cohort there were fabulous. Thank fabulous. you. Fabulous. Do you think that kind of a show fills a void out there? Absolutely. In fact, I can't believe this or not. I texted several of my family to get them to get over there on that television station because that was the most reasoned uh, discussion of our country, of our freedoms, and of our Constitution that we don't get enough of anywhere in our school system or on any other talk shows. It was fabulous. Do you want to see more of that? Love it. Yes. Same, same type, same reason discussion, very uh, very sound. It was terrific. Well, the 2% of the people who didn't like it on my social site said they wanted more emotion, they wanted more fire and brimstone. What do you think of that? Uh, no, we get enough of that all the time on all sorts of television and talk shows. I thought it was a very rational, very reasoned, very sound discussion, immensely, immensely. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. John Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Sirius Satellite, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I liked your show on Sunday. I've always loved Walter Williams, and I hope I age as well as he has. He's great. What a great character. I mean, all through history, I've read him in the papers. When I was growing up, and um, just do you amazing. think it was a good idea to have him as my first guest? I think so. Uh, I just hope that people appreciate it. I hope they appreciate who Walter Williams is. Yeah. Uh, maybe it'll give him some exposure because really you need more rational thinking. I mean, people just don't understand the philosophy of the country, how it was founded, why it exists, and why it can fade away pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I, I was I distinctly liked the fact that he discussed other empires. I tell mm-hmm. young kids that all the time. I said, you don't quite understand. When you're gone, you're gone. None of them come back. Pretty so, scary, isn't it? Oh, it has been my whole life. I've, I grew up when there really wasn't all the alphabet agencies. And I tell people that. I said, since I got out of high school, our government's grown by 30%. It doesn't protect anybody but itself. And, the, the, you know, we let Congress and those people create agencies that are unconstitutional to hide behind. Isn't it amazing that the two great fights we always have is keeping open the government for the government employees and how to help illegal aliens become legal citizens. This, these seem to be the two issues that are front and center all the time. Yeah, it's, it's like they go spend money because I go to work and they think I'm having kids. Then they tell me that you know the guy down the street who doesn't go to work, he doesn't know any taxes. But he gets the same benefits. And now, which is, I always tell people income tax is slavery. It's just another name because nobody ever voted for this for real. And and the fact that the Democrats run around, hey, we're letting imp- illegal aliens in here and they pay taxes, but they'll never get benefits. I was like, did they have the same pitch on the slave ships? <laughs> I mean, really, it's just, I can't believe it. The same <coughs> slavers are still here today. All right, John. Let us go to Radine, San Francisco, the great KSFO. How are you, sir? Hi, it's Radine. Oh, I apologize. That's okay. I enjoyed your show so much last night, just like the 
gentleman before me, I was calling both of my brothers. Mark, I'm in the Bay Area in Palo Alto. Oh. I'm originally from Oregon. I lost my husband in May. Have a 90-year-old mom as of the 29th of December. So I decided to come get close to the family for a while, but it's driving me nuts down here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hasn't it changed? A lot of but people are leaving there now. Oh, I know, I know. But Oregon's got the same uh, yeah, because of what we've got going on up there, you know, because I keep up on that daily through my newspaper that I get on my phone. But you're just wonderful. I've, I've tried to call you for years. And my husband, who, like I said, just passed last May. But I'm very, very sorry. Just, oh, thank you, thank you. But it, you're right. We need to be talking about the Constitution and our Second Amendment rights. They're, everybody's all over the map, aren't they? And as I far think as so. you running, oh, yes, I would love you to run. Oh, no, 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 I'm not running. But thank you for your call. No way. Let us go to Andy, Orlando, Florida, Sirius Satellite. How are you, Andy? I'm doing well, Mark. It's an honor to speak with you again. We spoke uh, right you. after the Pulse tragedy before. Yeah. Um, I'm calling you tonight as a police officer from the state of Florida. I'm retired now. Uh, it's pretty uh, unnerving to hear how many contacts the Broward County Sheriff's Office had with this uh, shooter from uh, this incident. It's unreal to me that they can have 36 contacts, and this guy was never taken into protective custody under the Baker Act. He was not arrested. And one thing I was talking to uh, the call screener about is at every agency that I've worked for or, or had the pleasure to work alongside of, we all have an intelligence unit. And when somebody shows signs that they have uh, some kind of a mental illness and they could potentially be dangerous, Every agency that I know of, their policy requires a patrol deputy or, or any any deputy or officer that makes contact with these people to forward this report and this information to their intelligence unit or to the Joint Terrorism Task Force unit that handles these kind of things. Mm -hmm. I see nothing but a breakdown in the system with the Broward County Sheriff's Office. And it, 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 me and my buddies from law enforcement, we can't understand how they made this many contacts, yet nothing was done about him. I've got a bunch of deputy sheriff buddies of mine in my county say the same thing. Andy, thanks for your call. We'll be right back. Liberty's Voice. Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. You know, those of you who listen to this program, you know, I don't do these shows in sound bites. I don't sit there staring at a website, pick off the hot things that somebody else has picked, <clears throat> and do my best Henny Youngman. I just don't do it. And also, uh, those of you who read my books, you know, they're substantive. Some of them are very heavy. But I don't do TV and sound bites either with a conga line of guests. It just doesn't do it for me. I just, it, I understand it's a model. And by the way, I'm not talking about any particular cable network. I'm just saying, whenever you turn on TV, I understand that's the model. That's the, the paradigm. But it's not my model. And it's not my paradigm. So there will be one hour during the week where we have actual conversations, in my view. Let us go to Dennis, Binghamton, New York, the great WNBF. Go. Great show. 
you and uh, Dr. Williams knocked it out of the park. That's what it sounds like when a couple of smart people talk. There was no screaming at each other, uh, no funny faces. Uh, just like if I felt like I was watching a couple of our forefathers, but great show. I wish it was on uh, at 9 o'clock. Maybe you could switch with Hilton there. No, I don't I think so, but thank you. I'm joking. It's a pretty good job. Dennis, but, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know, and the truth be told, uh, Walter was terrific. I sat down before and I said, Walter, I've got pneumonia. I'm having trouble finishing my sentences. Now, those of you who listen to me carefully can tell that I was sucking air a little bit. But I don't think it affected the substance in the least. Let's go to Woodrow, Lincolnton, North Carolina, Sirius Satellite. How are you? Fine, sir. How are you tonight? Very well, thank you. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the show last night with Walter Williams. Um, that was one of the best, if not the best, political government interviews I've ever seen. That was amazing. Um, the way y'all hit on the, the our liber- liberties in this country and the government, I think it should be required watching for any high school history or government or even or even freshman college class. That was amazing. Are you a teacher? Yes, sir. Wow. Well, I appreciate that. Let me ask you this. Seriously. Do you think it's the kind of show that cable viewers want to watch, or do you think they want back and forth a lot more, uh, a lot more fire and brimstone? Well, I didn't get to see it. I was listening to it on the radio. I was working right. security last night, and it was just amazing. And no, you don't know the way you and, and he did that interview and that discussion. I don't think you could improve upon it. It was great. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. We'll be, we'll be back next Sunday. We'll be back next Sunday. George, Los Angeles, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Good. How are you, Mark? Okay. You sound like you're, you're fighting weight. That's amazing. <clears throat> Working on it. Yeah. Oh, good. Hey, you know, I've spent the last uh, hour or so listening to this. I've had a lot to say, but I just I, I, I don't feel very hopeful. I, I just feel like we're circling the drain, you know. It's like, God bless everybody, but, man, I just, I became a libertarian several years ago, and I just, I don't feel like things are very hopeful right now. But well, anyway. I think, I, think, I think we're having a tough day because the president's pushing gun control. Tariffs and amnesty. That's a hey, bad. That's a bad day. I know. Back in 1980, I was an 18-year-old high school student who had been picked on and bullied incessantly for four or five years. And I went out and bought an AR-15. And I was living in Wyoming, growing up out there. And uh, you could go in, fill out a card, walk away with a you know high-powered assault rifle. And there was never a moment in my life where I thought about going into a school and killing anybody. I just didn't. And I think I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that I had parents who loved me and taught me the value of life. And um, it's tough, man. You know, we got kids out there that are going through all these things. But I just think that maybe the bottom line is we've had a shift in our culture and the way that we treat each other and the value of who we are. And I just, um, you know. I owned one of those weapons. I had multiple multiple round clips, 30-round clips, hundreds of rounds of ammunition. I never, ever in a moment 
thought I would ever go in and harm anybody with that, regardless of, of what had happened to me. And in fact, as horrific as these events are, and they are horrific, considering the number of weapons that are out there and the number of people who own them, if we are, as our politicians say, there'd be even a lot more of this, wouldn't there? There would be. And, you know, I, it's just like I, I was uh, I was living in Wisconsin a few years ago and I had a concealed carry permit. And I got pulled over for a traffic stop with my son. And the cop it was Madison, Wisconsin, which we all know is not a bastion for conservative thought at all, you know. Right. And he came to the window and I gave him my concealed carry permit because and not that I was obligated to, but I did. So he so he'd know I had a I had a firearm on my hip and. He thanked me for that, and he went back to the car, and he came back with my ticket, and he said, you know, sir, he goes, I want to thank you very much for participating in seal carry. And I thought, right. that was coming from somebody in law enforcement. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So the- Thanks for your call, brother. i got to run. I'm sorry. Do you know what the word college means? It means partnership, a place where professors and students work together, respectfully debate, and exchange ideas in a search for what is true. Most colleges today just indoctrinate students in liberal ideology. They don't allow the students to think for themselves or speak freely. Hillsdale College is different. Hillsdale students debate ideas openly and honestly. They pursue truth together with their professors in a respectful manner. I'll tell you something else that's different in Hillsdale. They don't have riots. Yeah. Why? Because student at Hillsdale lives by their honor code. A Hillstone College student. Dump. Can you dump, Rich? A Hillstone College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. That's it. Whether they study business, economics, history, music, any of the dozens of other majors, Hillstone students also become excellent citizens. The stellar education they receive, coupled with that honor code, produces some pretty amazing human beings. I want you to check out their website and learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. All right. Seth, Yakima, Washington, the great KFLD. Go. Sorry, go ahead. Hey, uh, I've been hearing this clip that uh, Jay Inslee's been ranting about on how safe schools are and calling out Donald Trump and stuff. And I want to tell you from a firsthand experience, our schools are not safe. My daughter was standing in lunch line two weeks ago waiting to get lunch, talking to one of her girlfriends, and a guy comes up out of nowhere and punches her in the face. She's got a. She had a concussion. She's still not back in school. Uh, the kid got. The kid didn't even get suspended. Uh, her boyfriend, which stepped in and and helped her out, did get suspended. Now the guy that hit her is Native American. He walked scot free and is still walking scot free. Right. Uh, well, I, I uh, thanks for your call. I don't know the particulars of this case. That's not what he was going to talk about. See, when you're me and you're 2,000 miles away from that incident, you don't know any of the facts. I'm sure the fellow's 
trying to communicate what he knows to be true. But I can't really comment on it. I don't know anything. So, Mitch, Montrose, Colorado, the great KNZZ. Go. Mark, pleasure to talk to you. I've been trying to get through to you for years. I'll keep this brief. Uh, I told your call screener the reason I was calling is a point that I haven't heard many people make, and that point is the fact of these gun-free zones. I would have a question to pose to these to these liberals in this country and ask them, how many houses in this country, when you go down any given street anywhere, have a gun-free zone sign posted in front of their home where their own kids are? My That's personal sign posted that Rottweiler on duty and protected by Smith and Wesson, and we don't have any problems. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was the fact that you know the coach in this in this shooting that that charged in there, God bless his heart, to try to protect kids. Mm-hmm. How much would he have uh, appreciated having a firearm at that point? And that's really all I have to say, Mark. There's no, you're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. I, I really think that the the obstacle to protecting our kids in these classrooms is the progressive ideology and their massive uh, unions, the NEA and the AFT. And notice, notice we're debating the NRA. NRA has nothing to do with any of this. Uh, and again, I would remind the President of the United States, you can talk about the NRA, don't be scared of the NRA. It's we the people, Mr. President. The NRA exists because of us, not the other way around. Thank you for your call, sir. All right, let's continue. Mike, Staten Island, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark, I'm a first-time caller. I love all your views. I listen to you, uh, listen to you every day. I just wanted to say, um, why does the left only call for gun control when there's a mass shooting? You know, you had an evil person out to do an evil act. No gun, no gun law can or will prevent someone with an evil mindset. To not do what he wants to do, you know what I'm saying? It's not yeah, but, a, but a gun in the hands of the right person in that school would have slowed this guy down or put him down for good. Yeah, but it's not it's not an assault rifle. He could have used anything. He could have used a, a knife. You know, should we have knife regulations in this country? Well, no, that's it, it the point. Crazy. It All crazy. right, Mike. Thank you, Clint Burbank, Washington, Sirius Satellite. Go ahead. Hey, Mark. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Actually, just uh, started listening to you last Friday, and uh, I appreciate your... Um, Where the hell you been? Uh, well, I, I just don't listen to the radio much, and uh, some right. a friend of mine told me about you. Uh, but I appreciate your comments about our governor. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm from the eastern part of Washington, and uh, we feel like we're not very well represented over here on this side of the state, and no, I couldn't not. agree with you more. Yeah, not at all. It's like, it's um, like Oregon. You know, you got... Oh, yeah. Basically, Portland and everywhere else. Yeah, in fact, we often uh, well joke or are very serious about splitting this state in half and just about ready to join Idaho in the mm-hmm. in our voting. But it, I, I appreciate, um, you know, finally a perspective uh, getting off of the, the gun law and bag wagon. And uh, I think we need to do something about our schools, protect our kids in our schools, and... Uh, I think if somebody knows that somebody in there might be armed, even if they don't know who it is, it might uh, might make them think twice about walking. Of course, I'm, you know I'm on the Bill of Rights bandwagon, and I'm also on the bandwagon that says protect our kids in the classroom. You know, 
We protect people. I've said it over and over again. We protect people at airports now. We protect them on airplanes. We try to even protect them on Amtrak trains when they're not flying off the rails. We, uh, we have a lot of public facilities where people are protected, and always we're politicians. Have you noticed that? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I've said at least 10% of the resources that are used to protect the politicians in Capitol Hill should be used in each school. In other words, per capita, prorated in each, in each school. But, you know, you don't have to deal with the NEA and the AFT on Capitol Hill. You do have to deal with them in your school systems, and this is where the problem lies, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'll bet our governor doesn't even know where Burbank, Washington is, you know. <clears throat> you know, he's such a clown. He says, I spoke to a uh, biology teacher. She wasn't. I talked to a first grade teacher. Hey, knucklehead, I'll introduce you to teachers who agree with the president. This community is a very small community, and I, I think every single one of our teachers, biology, history, first grade, second grade, uh, would entertain that um, opportunity at at the most. so I, I think a lot of them would. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, FedEx has announced... They're not particularly for the Second Amendment, I suppose, they said, but <clears throat> we're not changing our policies for anyone about anything. So they get points for that, don't they, Mr. Producer? All right. Hiring? Every business needs great people, and there are better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. Now, these invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, listen to this. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, you, my listeners, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Tom. Brick, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Hey, hi, Mark. Long time. I haven't talked to you since Great Adventure. Well, we gave you some Mark Levin stalker T-shirts. Thank you. That's some time uh, ago. Yeah, that was a while back. Uh, I just had one comment about this uh, shooter that I haven't heard on any of the broadcasts the last couple of days. It's been about 50 years since we've taken the Ten Commandments out of the schools. Maybe it's about time we put a plaque back up on a wall let students know that shall not kill. Well, two things. We did talk about it here early on, and secondly... The courts are not going to allow it. See, this is part of the problem, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, government creates this atmosphere. Government has created this. 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 Uh, government is devouring the culture, and so these traditions and inst- institutions that were accepted as normal um, suddenly they become controversial. We have national debates. The courts get involved, and blah blah blah. Thank you for your call, sir. I wanted to get in one other point. Before 
the show's over and I lose my voice. More and more, the United States Supreme Court is demonstrating the judicial tyranny that I wrote about in Men in Black. First, the court took a pass on a horrific gun control law. Took a pass. The great Clarence Thomas wrote about it as he objected to the fact that the court only looks at certain aspects of the Constitution. And this one in particular, he said, is one that they essentially seem to reject. Supreme Court today also refused to take up an emergency appeal. Now, it is unusual to take an emergency appeal. They're rare, but they're not unheard of. This DACA law is unconstitutional because it's not a law. It was a a fiat. Clear violation of separation of powers and Congress's authority under Article 1. And so you have a circuit court that basically has taken the issue of DACA and taken control over it. And now our courts are in the business of granting amnesty, temporary or otherwise. The Supreme Court took a pass. Some people downplay this. I do not downplay this. I can assure you if it was one of these liberal issues that went in the wrong direction by the circuit court, the Supreme Court would have stepped in. So I'm getting quite concerned about what's taking place on this court now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel with a great Levin TV tonight storing our appearance at CPAC. So I think you'll really, really enjoy it, and I'll see you tomorrow. God bless.